Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Welcome to Wood Talk number 201 for October 20th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about safe finishes for comic book storage, drawer guide positioning, and restoring an antique workbench. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Circle Perfect Tools, maker of new and innovative circle guides for router tables and drill presses. Have a need for routing and drilling precise circular patterns? Visit www.circleperfecttools.com for more information. Uh, They also have a pre-order opportunity and a Kickstarter campaign that you want to check out because there's some great rewards for pledges on Kickstarter. So go to circleperfecttools.com and you'll get all the information on that. The new ArborTech Contour Random Sander is the ideal tool for all of your sanding jobs and molds the shape of your sculpted forms for effective sanding and features a powerful random sanding action. It doesn't burn or dig in at the edges, and it fits into any standard angle grinder. Check it out online at www.arbortechusa.com. Some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together. Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at festalusa.com. Cool. All right. We also want to thank a couple uh, donors. I think mentioning the whole 200th episode, I think people got a little nostalgic with us and sent us a little bit of extra money, which is so sweet. That is the best way to express love, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And if you do it on a regular basis, such as weekly, monthly, uh, actually, let me do that backwards. Monthly, weekly. There you go. Uh, So we'd like to thank, I'm going to butcher so many of these names, Rudy or possibly Rudy McLaughlin, John Kleist, Donald Story, Jeremy German, Dan Zayner, Dennis Eastman, Rune, yeah, Skjervik, he's from Norway, from Norway, and Robert DeVries. Thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. And you want to, if you want to help out too, I actually tried to turn that into a subliminal message. You want to help out too. At woodtalkshow.com, look over in that left-hand column, and we'll have some convenient links for you to sign up for a recurring donation or a one-time donation, and we certainly appreciate that kind of support. So Absolutely. let's uh, jump right into what's on the bench. And for me, this week, it's all about woodworkers fighting cancer. We just launched our latest video on Friday showing the build of the toy box, the toy chest, little multifunction dealie. Um, had a lot of fun with that video, and the project is pretty easy to build with off-the-shelf stuff like everything was sourced from Home Depot pre-milled, it literally will go together in a weekend. The average person should be able to get this thing together easily in two days. Uh, great project for a great cause. So if you want to learn more about that, go to woodworkersfightingcancer.com. Uh, and if you can't really build or participate directly, one thing you can do is go to our store, twwstore.com, and you can buy a t-shirt or a mug, and all of the proceeds from those will also go directly to the charity. And uh, this year it's for the Cancer Research Institute, and I think it's really important that we uh, research all types of cancer, uh, cancers and um, the immunotherapy that they do, I think is really compelling from a medical standpoint. So it's something I think that's worth supporting and hopefully you guys will agree. Uh, so Absolutely. Go, yeah. So go check it out. Woodworkersfightingcancer.com. And that's really all that's going on with me. So over you at know, the website, you had mentioned, I, and I know you've talked about this before, and I'm totally going to pull like our usual listener thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, who are the the sponsors? You've got some corporate level sponsors that are kicking in some uh, money here also to help really push you towards being able to push everybody involved to uh, hit that level that you're we're trying to go to, which is fifteen thousand dollars this 15, year. Fifteen, yeah. We last couple of years we've kept it at about ten. This year we are shooting for fifteen. Uh, we've got Steve over at Mirror Mortals helping us out, and uh, with his promotional push, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get there. Uh, the sponsors that we have this year are Festool, Bell Forest Products, Bruso. Eagle America and Powermatic. And one of the great things uh, that Powermatic is doing is they're actually donating equipment. It's not as easy for them to throw out cash. So what they've done is given us a brand new drill press, a brand new PM 1000 table saw, and we're auctioning them off. So of course, these things will go for a little bit more than the retail price, but all of that money is going directly into the charity. So killer, killer effort there. Uh, yeah. And the other thing we're doing is a couple of smaller, because obviously, you know, a drill press and a table saw is quite expensive. So we're doing a couple of smaller uh, auctions, and right now we've got a Benchcrafted, the older Benchcrafted vice that I took off my workbench. That's going to be up for grabs. And uh, I think I'm going to do like a DVD pack. Um, I just got so many DVDs sitting around <laughs> about woodworking, uh, and I've watched them all, and I feel good about it, and I want to pass on the knowledge <laughs> if I can. So I may just set up a couple of auctions with like a 10-pack of various DVDs. Uh, which should be pretty cool. And and by hmm. the way, let me just say ahead of time, if you hear the hammering in the background, I hope it doesn't make it through to the recording. But if it does, uh, we're getting some work done in the house. We're recording this show a day late because of the hammering yesterday. And there's more <laughs> hammering going on today. And uh, it's either this or no show. So, yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think the, people the Air Force was louder than the hammering. So ex- no I was just thinking the same thing. I'm okay. like, is he is he using a plane to bring the, the, the <laughs> stuff down for you? I think by now people must be used to that. Like they've, they, right. it, whether you're watching my videos or watching or listening to this show, the Air Force has been like a present uh, fourth member of the show for us. <laughs> <laughs> We're very military friendly here at Wood Talk. Uh, it gives so, a whole new meaning to photobombing if, if it went the wrong way. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but that's it for me. So, Shannon, what about you? I did no woodworking. <laughs> I did no woodworking. Oh no, I did no woodworking. I um, I went to Williamsburg. Uh, it's been it's, we try to go at least once a year, but it was our fifteenth uh, wedding anniversary, so we got the Ooh. heck out of town. Congratulations! Yes, Thank congratulations, you. sir. Thank you. We we figured it was kind of a nice round number, so we should actually do something other than get a pizza and <laughs> you know sit on our butts, right? But uh, you know, we, we, it's always fun because there's always um you know, cool tools to look at. And I always pick up a little tip here and there when you talk to these craftsmen who basically, you know, all day long are, are working with hand tools. And it, it's, it's always entertaining because they've got so much material to research at their hands to uncover these kind of cool techniques. But <clears throat> the one thing that really got to me this year, and I don't know if I've talked about this before, but when you go to a museum setting like this, there is always like a couple of woodworking blowhards. Yeah. And I was thinking guys, that was going to be you in this. Yeah. Story. I was kind of think of the same well, thing. I, I, <laughs> I saw you standing there going, um, well, I, I, I also woodwork. They're like, Oh boy, another one. You know, I work okay. at a museum. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I run a, I think a school that's why, hand tool school. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm so conscious of it because I've, I've been on the other end of that. Yeah. The guy, you know, presenting, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I usually say very little. Um, you know, some of the guys know who I am now cause I've, I've been going there like once a year for five years and I've had email conversations outside of that. So some of them, and most of them, I have to remind them, you know, they don't know me on site, but then like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you know, volunteer up at that and you've got the blog and everything and, and it's, it's fine. Um, but man, there were some real moments when 
I just kind of, I, I left. I was just like, I can't deal with this. You know, there's <laughs> some guy who his entire motive is to like impress Look at me, look at me. I know all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? No matter how much you know, these guys know more than you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's their job. They've got this incredible body of research and resources behind them to do this stuff. But, you know, at the, um, the what, what was it? The cabinet maker is usually the worst because that's where most of the, the woodworkers kind of flock. But this year out at the, um, the plantation where the pit saw is, where the carpenters work, there are a couple of guys that were just determined that they knew more about pit saws than like the guys who use them for hours and hours and hours a day mm. sawing up lumber. And, you know, my wife is like right over my shoulder, like grabbing my elbow going, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Walk away. I'm like, this is just <laughs> awful. So anyway, I don't know what it is about, uh, Woodworkers, maybe it's we'll just call the online thing is a good thing because it allows us to be social. Because the woodworkers that don't have any of that social, it comes out when they go to museums like this. <laughs> no, what would be really funny though is if one of those guys that you're just like, oh my gosh, please stop talking about this stuff. If suddenly they went, yeah, well, on the hand tool school with Shannon Rogers, he didn't do it that way. <laughs> that would be the worst. <laughs> that would that would that would you be know, deserved probably. <laughs> this has to happen in other areas too. I mean, for people in other hobbies. Car, car people and I don't know, electronics and I don't know, internet groups and things like that. Like, I don't know, like the older user groups that used to be around for computer people. There's yeah. always the know-it-alls who, when someone's doing a demo, they want to make sure they know that, that you're aware they know as much as you do and you can't teach them anything. Well, you know, in, in the photography world, uh, Samantha and, and her friends, and I actually saw this later on. I thought she was, I thought it was just a local thing that they called individuals like that. They call him Uncle Bob. <laughs> and there's always an Uncle Bob at every wedding. And this is the person that has kind of like some of our, our fellow woodworkers and maybe ourselves, people might think this way. They have all the latest gear. They've got everything. They bring it with them. And it's like they have more gear than the photographer. And even the photographer's like, I would, I would, I would really like to have that accessory that you have there. <laughs> and so, yeah, so she has a name for them, or they do. In, in the forums, they're known as the Uncle Bob. He sounds like he could be a woodworker too. Yeah, and frequently they also show up in the pictures because they always manage to be right in front of – because it's like one of those things where the photographers got that angle. This must be the best shot. (laughs) And so they always stand there. So when she comes home from a wedding and then some of her friends too, they'll send us pictures and you've always got – the Uncle Bob pictures. Oh, man. That's frustrating. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, Matt, I see H.O. Studley, and just hearing that, I'm excited. So uh, what happened? Okay, so the other day, I had a chance to sit down and literally sit down and talk with Don Williams, and it was so funny listening to you struggle through some of the names there uh, of our, our special folks that sent us some money and, and are supporting us, because I totally slaughtered the photographer's name uh, when I was talking with Don. <laughs> so it's Don and Narayan. Narayan, and okay. if you watch the video, which is coming out this Friday, I probably say Narayan's name at least a half dozen different ways. <laughs> and, and there's a couple of times that they kind of like gave each other that glance. And then Don was nice enough to re-say Narayan's name and I would still mispronounce it. So <laughs> Narayan, if you're listening, I am so absolutely sorry. And then I found out later on that I even misspelled his last name in part of the uh, the video. So um, I'm going to put up a little disclaimer about that. But yes, H.O. Studley coming up in May 2015, same time as the weekend as Handworks. They are bring, they're literally bringing out the H.O. Studley tool chest and his workbench. And people are going to have an opportunity if they get their tickets in time to head in there. You get a full hour long exhibit. 
exhibit where you're not just looking at it on the wall. You're looking at it right in front of you, and you're going to be up close and personal, like practically being able to touch it, except for the fact that there will be plexiglass between you and <laughs> the actual tool chest. But it will probably be closer than you that anybody has been able to get to other than curators or the very lucky few. So mm. it was a really neat opportunity to talk with Don about the, the whole entire tool chest and especially about H.O. Studley himself because even though I've talked with him before about Mr. Studley, I still have like all these like, um, I don't know, what's the word? I'm like, like myths, legends of who he was and what he did. I once heard that he was a... Um, a trust fund baby who basically was given his tools and were like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go be an artist. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, but it turned out that's not it. Yeah. I hope they have like a competition on who can lift it. You know, <laughs> right. Like a, a strength competition and who can lift this tool chest. I hear it's extremely heavy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just uh, want to know, you know, if we're going to, I'm planning on being there. If I'm going to come all, all that way, I'd like to see the full size chest instead of the HO model. How long were you sitting on that one? Oh, Basically man. since we started. Are, are you an HO trainiac? No. My brother was, though. So <laughs> I know the lingo. I'm in with the crowd. Nice. Well, I'm sure there has to be somebody out there that has made an HO scale version of, of the bench. Or, excuse me, of the, uh, the tool chest. So... That would be awesome if they brought it with them and then they wanted to get like side-by-side pictures with it. <laughs> Very Actually, cool. I think somebody did. Now that I think about it, and it was like a, a scale. I don't know. If, I don't know what HO scale is. One twelfth, whatever. Somebody made a scale model of it. And wasn't it on like the back of Fine Woodworking Magazine one time? I don't, was, it, was it made from matches? <laughs> Matchsticks? That would be really cool if they did that. So, Interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, but if you want to learn more about it, uh, again, the video things, it's coming out uh, this Friday. Um, it's a little bit longer than uh, than typical, but I mean, Don and Naraya, they just some great information in there about the tool chest itself. It's not just talking about the exhibit. In fact, I don't know if I know you guys, I think you've seen the video so far. I sent you a sneak peeks of it, but there's almost like this cringe on Don's face when I'm like, so you have an exhibit coming up. Can you tell us about it? And it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about the, <laughs> let's talk about the tool chest. You should have said, so what's your favorite wood? Yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite wood to work with if you had to pick I one know tool if, out of the tool chest which one would be and why was Chris Schwartz like camera making faces at them uh, it, it looked like it yes that that was my he was <laughs> basically facing right at them and I'm pretty sure he probably was making faces about me like come on come on come on let's <laughs> make him chortle I bet he's wearing stretchy pants all right let's get into what's new we got a couple of links to share with you the first one here is from Chris he says, thought you guys might like a bit of Halloween whimsy, and it's a scorpion chair. And I saw this a couple of weeks ago and was very impressed with it. The woodworking is amazing, and it is it is really kind of the creepiest chair you'll ever see. <laughs> and as someone who lives in an area where scorpions are a household pest, this is something that I don't think I'd ever want, but I have some respect for. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of the movie Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah, okay, totally. Yeah. That, that weird decorative house at the end and had all the furniture came alive that yeah oh yeah that's right oh it is so it's weird cool. it's creepy but anyway yeah. I, I saw a couple of suggestions that are like you should put a a, a reading light in the tip of the tail as it's arcing <laughs> over so it'll cast light down on you that that would be cool that'd be that cool. would be actually very that. very cool hmm. sweet well hey we have this next one come in and this uh came in from david and he says check out this article from grit magazine showing the steps to build a kitchen island from homemade lumber. This would never make fine woodworking, according to David, but it is a great insight into how people 
who aren't hung up on the details approach a project. Done is better than perfect, according to David. And I sometimes I have to agree with that, um, especially when I get off my project. I'm like, I'm done. That's it. I'm walking away. <laughs> so anyway, so if you head over to this, uh, it, it's Grit, which is uh, the Rural American Know-How. Apparently, it's a blog. This article is originally from 2011, and it's uh, a part of a, a multi-part series. But yeah, it's it's pretty neat going from log to actual projects. So cool. Hey, you know, if done is better than perfect, you know what's better than done? Uh, never starting done perfectly. Oh, done perfectly. Oh, I, I was there. there just a second. Like, <laughs> mm, I see what you did. You guys are pretty sharp tonight with the HO and then done perfectly. <laughs> We're on fire, man. Man, yeah, I can't I, wait till I finally get a zinger in here later. <laughs> I, I blew my smart on the HO. I'm, I'm out. He's all done. <laughs> I'm all done. Well, with with Halloween coming, you know, there's always some fun stuff that pops up. And Lynn over at the, the Darbin Orver YouTube channel has actually done a couple, but the one that really sparked my interest was she remade Thor's hammer. And it is a, it's a great project. You know, she actually just throws it together with hot glue. And I'm thinking, man, that's not going to work, but she actually uses it at the end to see <laughs> like how strong it is, yeah. of which I thought was very cool. But <clears throat> there's actually a really good lesson in there on compound miters. Cause you think about like the bevels on Thor's hammer, um, Molinar, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Comic nerd. Um, so it it has 22 and a half degree angles and all different compound angles in order to make those bevels. And it is like like movie quality when she's done. She puts like little runes and everything on it. It's just very cool. And then she dresses up and hits things with it. So it's got something for every everybody. You can't beat that. <laughs> and, and this is like perfectly works out with uh, it, aren't they introducing a new female version of Thor? Like, you know, yeah, a, a woman is taking that's over. True. So they that's are. True. But you know what? Maybe she she's did got not, a tie in. She did not skimp on the weight of the hammer. So this is definitely not a, you know, if you're thinking like a ladies version of the hammer. No, this is this is. This is a big, this is a big ass hammer. So this would be like one of the hammer. Like she would hand it to me and I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh crap. Well, I'm going to use this I thing. Mean, I mean, theoretically, wanna... would Lady Thor need a smaller hammer? I mean, she should have just as big of a hammer as Thor's hammer. Like exactly. male Thor. I don't see why it would need to be smaller. Nope. Are we still talking about a hammer? I think we are. Yeah. Okay. I, anyways, so what's the next one we got going on here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last one we have is a announcement from 360 Woodworking. We mentioned that the, the guys uh, formerly from uh, formerly known as editors from popular woodworking are now doing 360 woodworking as their new venture. And they put up a video kind of giving us more information about what their subscription model is going to be and what you can expect in terms of content from these guys. So if you're interested in that, we'll put the embedded video in our show notes, or you can go to their website, 360 woodworking.com and they've got the video embedded right there. Um, So interesting stuff. It looks like they're bringing sort of a, a multimedia effort of, of, of like what we love from magazines and trying to blend that with what we love with online content and bring it all together. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but they, the way they talk about it, they're selling it pretty well, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what happens. Uh, okay. We got to move on to our poll here. We didn't have a regular show last week, so we're just going to, uh, announce the new poll, uh, from our buddy, Tom Ivino at tomsworkbench.com. And he's asking a pretty simple question. How do you edge joint your boards? So he's got a couple different methods listed there and you can go to the website and check that out and let us know how you do it. Hmm. What do we have hmm. next? A lot of empty slots here. Let's move into our voicemail if i could find oh, it oh the voicemail yeah oh. the voicemail the <clears throat> let me get my voicemail. authoritative voice on okay <clears throat> well let's get the question it's over a minute <laughs> meanwhile in a voicemail <laughs> here we go 
Hey guys, how you doing? This is Roberto calling from Chicago. First of all, congratulations on your 200th episode. You guys are quite astute. You guys have been keeping up with me just as I've been keeping up with you. So here's my question. I have, my current shop anyway, has no insulation. It's basically a cinder block building with a roof on top. All my tools are housed in there, and I'm noticing rust forming on some of my tools, which is heartbreaking, to say the least. Uh, is there anything you guys know that I can do to my tools? I'm talking not just hand tools, chisels, planes, but also my bigger tools, my table saw, my drill press. Is there something I can do, like coat them with oil or something like that, that'll keep them from rusting on these uh, on these upcoming winter months? Uh, let me know. That would be helpful. And uh, yes, I have been with you from the beginning. And yes, I have moved around a lot. I am one of those military guys that deploy, come back, listen to like 25 episodes straight. Uh, so I'll always be there. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for your service, Roberto. And now bend over and take your spanking. <laughs> yes. We, yes. <laughs> we are going to give you a list. And Matt was so kind as to research this and get everything that we needed for this. Uh, this is a list starting with the most recent, back to the beginning. These are episodes of Wood Talk where we've talked about rust prevention. Uh, I'll start it off. Ready? Number 403. Uh, I'm sorry. Number 143. And, and then we go to number 142. Number 120. Uh, number 94. Number 52. And I believe number 37? Yes, 37. Yes. I don't know how that got out of there. But yes, number 37. So there are just a few to go back through. You've probably already heard them and you forgot it. And with 200 episodes in the bank, I think it's easy to forget these things. Uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll put the links in the show notes for you so you have some quick references there. But there's not really a whole lot more we can say about that. We've said quite a bit about it in the past. Right. And Russ, we don't want to... Rust we, we don't want to uh, risk the possibility of contradicting ourselves. That that would not be good, that's especially what, after 200 episodes. Yeah, exactly. That's for episode 300 when someone decides to uh, uh, get all of our contradictory and ironic little clips and uh, put them together. Anyway. I actually can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Yeah. I wish someone would do that. It'd be funny. All right. Let's especially move into... You think uh, about Saw Stop. That would be funny. We, yeah, I think we did that already. All right. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I should listen to that one. All right. Let's go into our email. Uh, first one here is from Steve as an interesting question. He says, I'm planning on making some comic book storage boxes in the style of old worldly dynamite boxes. Uh, what would be a good interior and exterior finish that won't damage the eventual content of said boxes? Now, I happen to be a, a pretty big comic book dork. <laughs> Actually, I'm on a podcast Ooh. called Comic Book uh, Comic Dorks. Uh, what? At comicdorks.com. Yes, I do something other than woodworking, believe it or what? not. What? I know, right? So uh, for something like this, I mean, I had my initial ideas for what you would want to do, but I decided to throw the question out to a couple people who know way more about comic books than I'll ever know. And those are uh, my friends Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher over at Majorspoilers.com. By the way, if you like podcasts and you like comic books and pop culture stuff, you really should be listening to Major Spoilers because they're awesome. Uh, so Steven says, Matthew and I talked about this last night. Both of us agree that the outside shouldn't matter. And as long as you aren't using a varnish or finish on the inside of the case that might cause a buildup of fumes, you should be okay. Even then, a finish on the inside probably won't matter that much. The only thing that may happen is you may have to change the bags more often. And comics should always be bagged and boarded, smiley winky face. 
So good point. If you're bagging and boarding your comics, you have some protection built in, but coming from the finishing side of things, let's say you use an oil-based finish on the inside. This is always an issue. What happens to a chest of drawers if you use an oil-based finish on the inside? It makes your clothes stink. So at the you get very oily underwear. You do get oily underwear. I get <laughs> I get that automatically because I'm Italian, but <laughs> Um, so if you are, uh, using this oil-based finish in there, you could impart an odor to the paper, even if they're bagged and boarded. And that's something that could decrease their value or create issues in the future. So I would say avoid anything that has too much off-gassing. If it takes a long time to cure or retains an odor, stay away from it. So I would say a couple different things, either water-based finish on the inside, like a general water-based poly, maybe shellac. You might even be able to get away with lacquer if you wanted to, but the uh, fourth option would be to use nothing at all. Uh, there's nothing there, There's nothing that really says, if, especially if it's a nice, secure thing that you're building with good joinery, you don't necessarily have to put a finish on the inside if you don't want to. Here, here. Yeah, so if you are really cautious about these, maybe these are expensive, uh, you know, near collector's item uh, type books, you probably want to take some precautions and one of those may be to do nothing on the interior of the box and just do uh, your finish of choice for the exterior. Um, and just a quick thank you again to uh, uh, Matthew and Steven over at Major Spoilers. You know, I remember seeing, this is going in a slightly different direction, but I remember seeing on um, Comic Book Men, the AMC mm-hmm. show, where they had uh, a service for preserving the comics Ah. where they actually almost like shrink wrap it for the really valuable stuff. Right. Right. And you know, it's one of those things like when when I had comics when I was a kid, I I read them, you know, and now it's like, if I have some valuable ones, well, I read them on my tablet. So, (laughs) you know, you don't have to worry about like taking out of the bag and all that stuff. So there are actually services that them you know not with in, in like lock them in their current state and uh um, man i wish i could remember what they are but go watch um comic book man on amc it was somewhere in season two cool you know that advice also reminds me of something my mom used to tell me when i get so upset and a girl would turn me down and she'd go matt it's more important what's on the inside not so much on you know on the outside <laughs> okay so, yeah. all right so, i thought uh, i thought you never mind that was um i had a bad joke and it's i think a little too blue for this show Oh, oh, well, I'll let's save guys, it for the special one. I'll tell you guys after. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, if it's about me, then no. <laughs> uh, no let's let's right, just well, move, let's on. move on. Let's move on to this next one. This one came in from uh, David C. And he says, what is the best, or asks, what is the best location for drawer glides? Top, middle, or bottom of the drawer? I recently built some drawers for the shop to store heavier hand tools, circular saw, router, etc. And I put the glides on the bottom of the drawers thinking it would hold the load better. But the drawers seem to be difficult closing when fully extended. I was wondering if placement made a difference. Now, uh, first of all, before we talk about the placement itself, uh, because quite honestly, what I usually do – actually, let's talk about it right now. What I typically do with the placement is I follow the manufacturer's recommendations. This is one of the few times in my woodworking uh, career or involvement with anything woodworking that I, I tend to follow the manufacturer's recommendations. Typically, though, those recommendations talk about how uh, how much space should be between the top of the drawers and the actual uh, case itself and, of course, how far in from the sides to make sure you have proper, proper clearance for it. But typically, there might be recommendations in there about the placement itself. Now, when it comes to something as heavy-duty as what you're describing here, what, a shelf that would hold heavier saws like or heavier tools like this, especially when you combine them all together. My first thought is not so much about the placement, but the actual size of the drawer glides themselves. This is one of those 
moments when, again, you want to maybe follow the re- recommendations on the size of the, uh, the glides themselves. You want something a little bit more heavy duty. Uh, so in that case, I, typically for something like this, I don't think I would go – well, I, I would look very closely at what my options are out there. For a lot of us, I know we tend to head to the home center <clears throat> and pick up the ones that are there. And oftentimes those are very general purpose, even though they might say, you know, good for heavy duty stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't believe that, to be quite honest with you. Just like when it comes to some of the hardware that we might pick to make our project look that much better and work that much better. Drawer glides are definitely one of those pieces of hardware that you don't want to skimp on, especially when you're making shop uh, drawers and stuff like this because the last thing you want to do is to spend all that time making this great project and then suddenly you go to open the drawer and it's falling all over the place and you're struggling to get it closed. So I think it's less about placement and more about the actual drawer glides themselves. So uh, with that said, um, follow the recommendations. Does that That works for me. I think that's the proper answer. Yeah, you could have just uh, cut that by five minutes and just said that. Okay, well, in that case, can we go back and edit that? Um, David, I think the answer is uh, the actual jerk lights themselves. Follow the instructions. <laughs> follow the instructions, sir. Very nice. Always read and understand the manufacturer's instructions. And most importantly, wear safety. Never mind. Wear these prescription lenses that I'll call. I would only wear safety glasses. glasses. (laughs) I only call them safety glasses if that drawer is at eye level, which for me, everything's at eye level. So, oh, you're sure? Uh, Only when I'm standing. (laughs) Only when I'm on my feet. You need Matt. You need one of those little helper tower things that Mark's building. So you can see what's going on in the kitchen counter. Yeah, we need an adult size version of that for you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, we, we're kind of like yeah, we're like the the, the three bears. Like I, I'm baby bear. Uh, Mark would be mama bear, and uh, Shannon would definitely be papa bear when we stand in line. Yeah, we kind of are, huh? Why do I have to be a girl though? Jeez, uh, because be you're so pretty, Sasquatch bear. Uh, you kind of are. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the show. Let's go, Sasquatch. So- this is coming from Chris. He says, I've been wanting to build a small workbench for my apartment that I can build simple, small projects such as boxes purely with hand tools while I'm away from my shop. I've always had in mind that I was going to build um, Shannon's joiner a bench. Good call. Then I came across a few workbenches in antique stores and really gave it some thought. People are always restoring saws, planes, and all sorts of antique tools. Why not restore a workbench? For that matter, do they even need to be restored? And I think the the latter of those questions is more more important. Um, I've I do some work in a museum, as you guys probably know, and we have several vintage workbenches there. And you know, my first thought when I first started working there was, oh, we've got to clean this up. I've got to flatten the top. I got to do this. Got to do that. And you know, there was never time because there was always projects for the museum and visitors and things like that. And here we are several years later and, you know, they really just haven't needed it. So the most important thing I think is that it's stable it's not going to fall apart on you. Obviously the, some of these older workbenches may have a little bit of wiggle in them and you need to somehow uh, tighten up the joints. So I would look at the undercarriage itself and see what you can do. In the case of the benches of the museum, we actually added wedges to tighten up the um, what you call the the stretchers on the bottom. Fortunately, they were already through tenons, so I just cut a, a tusk mortise and inserted a wedge that really firmed that up. And that was like that was amazing. The difference that made. You could then go back and flatten the top, but it's also one of those things where 
you know, I think a lot of us are under this impression that our tops have to be so unbelievably dead flat, and it's just really not the case. So take a straight edge to it and determine how much does it really need. I would try to do everything you can um, before going to a full-blown flattening just because these antique benches are liable to have a lot of things that are not wood in them, lots of nails and stuff like that that can come up and bite a plane or say you're flattening with you know a router or something like that that can ping off a carbide bit and send it flying across the room. So if you are going to flatten it, get you know a metal detector or something and really be certain that you've got all those little metal parts out of the bench top. Then you know you can go in and flatten with a hand plane or router or whatever. But you know, I, it may be already thin already. You don't know is some of that wood rotten. Um, so I would actually work on it a little bit before I went about going through all that process of of trying to flatten the top. Because you know, if you really need a flat surface, get yourself a nice bench hook made out of plywood, and there's your flat surface. But um, no, my my recommendation is definitely shore up the base as much as possible. And, you know, I like to leave it because there's there's history there. And if I wipe all that history away, it loses something, I think. Cool. Sweet. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can certainly do that. You can set up a recurring donation or a one-time donation over at woodtalkshow.com, left-hand column. Also, you could buy a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com, and you could leave us a beautiful, wonderful review in iTunes, which we appreciate too. And uh, let's see, we got a couple of them here. Oh, good. Let me get my uh, order straight here. Grant of all trades, Eric's one and JD 12. And uh, JD had this to say, the guys at Wood Talk are simply the best. Oh, wait, I like his uh, title of his review is legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Dairy. Nice. Nice. (laughs) The guys at Wood Talk are simply the best. Mark, Matt, and Shannon have a passion for woodworking, but an even bigger passion for helping other hobbyists and professional woodworkers improve their knowledge and skills. Whether you're a novice or a seasoned veteran, the takeaway is just as valuable, inspiring, fun, informative, engaging, supportive, and addicting, and humorous are just a few of the adjectives that best describe the show. Mark is my Norb Abram. Norm Abram, not Norb. <laughs> Norb. Norm Abram, a woodworking legend, but all three guys are amazing, down-to-earth, and super talented. Keep chortling, boys. Thank you, JD. We appreciate that. That's awesome. There's some other adjectives I think we could throw in there, but yeah, mm, I agree with everything. There, and there's probably some we should leave out. Definitely. All right, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, question, or a topic suggestion? You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is woodtalkonline. Please check the back uh, archives before you actually do that. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's shows or previous episodes, you're going to find them over at woodtalkshow.com where you can also look through all those archives to see if your question has already been answered. But of course, you can send it in because we love hearing from all of you. That is so true. And don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Matt's Basement Workshop if you want to help support one of the three of us. He does a great job over there. And uh, <laughs> thank you. It's worth thank supporting. Uh, how's that and going? If you by do the way? it, you could have already seen the Studley video. That's, That's true. right. That's yeah, true. If you do it in the next day or so uh, and before Friday, awesome. you, you can see it before everybody else. Right now, we have reached a new level. Uh, it is equivalent to, um, uh, let's see, it's, it's not quite halfway to the first milestone, but I am very excited about it. So we're very, very, it's just over $200 a month from all of the patrons. And I even added a new level so that if people just want to donate a dollar a month, that's $12 a year. That keeps me in coffees for at least a couple of days. Very nice. Um, 
which is perfect because then it makes me happy and it makes me want to produce more content and all that good stuff. But anyways, that's available. So yeah, please stop on by and at least just take a look at it. If anything, just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Cool. And hey, on another totally unrelated note, I've been getting a lot of just emails, comments, and there was even one iTunes review uh, where people are actually like, we thought it was crazy when people requested a weekly show. (laughs) Now that we're doing a weekly show, what we're finding are people like they basically go through, they listen to the whole archive and they binge on it so that when it's all done and now they have to wait a week in between shows, it's freaking them out. And we're getting a lot of requests, which is blowing my mind. A lot of requests for a daily show. Wow. That's yeah. that's nuts, right? That is. I mean, when, <laughs> you're so right. Like when we talked about going weekly, remember that, that conversation was weekly. We were all starting to sweat. Like, well, I don't know <gasps> if we can do that. I don't even want to work that much. <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, a uh, daily yeah, show. I think we'd have to get rid of what's on the bench. What's on the bench? Same thing as was Same yesterday. Same thing as yesterday. Yeah. Well, I moved the maple from the left to the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it kind of blows my mind thinking about what a daily show would look like. But I got to tell you, it would have to be, um, you know, not that money is everything, but in the case of a, a daily production like that, it, w- it would have to come down to money. It would have to be something that we could prioritize over other money-making things that we do to make something like that happen. So let's just say it's not completely out of the question, but right now it's not a it's not something that we can see our way to achieving <laughs> at this point. It, it, it Maybe at some point during our retirement, uh, whenever that's going to happen in 20, 30, 40 years, we might be able to do something like that. But then it would be a lot of just like, Mark, Mark, wake up. Shit it. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. Anyway, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. Spay and new to your blowhards. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Sounds painful. Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.